Well, it's just wonderful to be back at First Universalist. <laughs> Thank you. After my year-long internship at White Bear Unitarian Universalist Church, I often felt like a college student who had gone away from home. It was really nice to see how other people did it, but I frequently found myself homesick for familiar surroundings and familiar faces. It was a rich year of learning, and as some of you may know, the Reverend Victoria Safford was on sabbatical for five months of my time up in Matamidai. So it's pretty intense. But in her absence, I had the great good fortune to be guided by the patient wisdom of the Reverend Jan Eller Isaacs at Unity Church Unitarian in St. Paul. Jan was my off-site supervisor, and early in our time together, I was struggling with my ability to meet a pastoral care issue, and I brought this to Jan, and she said, if I only got one concept during this time that we had together, that this should be it. I am enough. I am not enough. I am enough. I am not enough. So I thought I'd write a sermon about it. (laughs) See how it resonates with you and see how well I have internalized this concept crucial not only to ministry but also to life. Scott Fitzgerald wrote that a test, a test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposing ideas in mind at the same time and still be able to function. (laughs) One should, for example, be able to see that things are hopeless and yet be determined to make them otherwise. What excites me about our denomination, about Unitarian Universalism, is our embrace of ambiguity. The ambiguity in which we live and move and have our being. The inherent worth and dignity of every person, even those who act badly. Our embrace of the interconnected web, even the dire and the dangerous the wisdom which may be found in other religions and our contributing religion, our contributing wisdom that not one of those contains the ultimate truth. We UUs are made for interfaith encounter, for paradox, for a spiritual ability to hold competing truth claims. We are made for both and. So I've been using I am enough, I am not enough as a mantra. In fact, I I made up a little chant as a centering exercise. I am enough, I am not enough. I am enough, I am not enough. I give help when I can, there is help for me. I am enough, I am not enough. It's been helpful to me in an approach to justice. Of course, it's not possible for one small voice to save the world. And yet, one voice is one more. 
First century Rabbi Tarfan said, It's not your part to finish the work. Neither are you free to desist from it. Both are true. I am one voice. I'm only one voice. And yet I am one voice for freedom, one voice for justice, one voice for compassion, for truth. When my voice joins with yours and yours and yours, and my feet join with yours and yours and yours, and my hands join with all of ours, the holy is the energy that we create together. Therein lies the power of community. Therein lies the potential for justice. Therein lies the promise of healing. Nary a one of us can succeed in this alone. Together we can and we do create the world anew every day. We are each of us stepping out each morning into our lives, bounding out of bed with energy. Or or perhaps tentatively putting one foot on the floor, wondering what new aches might rise to greet the day. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. We are each of us constructing... Our lives, little by little, in fits and starts, perhaps segmenting our work and our family life, our, our avocations and our passions. It seems that I, I always work imperfectly, impatiently, unevenly. From what you tell me, I am not alone. One cannot be a perfect parent or caretaker or attorney or teacher or custodian or minister. Even in our imperfection, We can and we do show up for each other, lending and receiving help, searching for the truth of our lives that is to be found somewhere in the messy middle. By understanding ourselves as both separate and unified, with an awareness of our vulnerabilities and our strengths, both and we can reclaim some of our own power and dignity in the midst of confusion and even chaos. When we're in the grip of forces beyond our control, for example, the economy, for example, health care or lack of it, leaning into the notion of both and, what is and what will be, can help us to function, to see that things may be hopeless and yet we can be determined to make them otherwise. Wendell Berry's prose poem of his childhood holds the competing truth claims of despair over no return on a year of working and growing and tending and curing a tobacco crop. And the equal truth of a family intact, growing and tending and seasoning a young boy, who learns the harsh reality of life within the embrace of family, around the hearth fire. Both are true. Life is hard and unfair. And sometimes, love trumps all. Members of the Berry family were tobacco farmers for at least five generations by the time Wendell's father took up the business. And today... Wendell lives and farms and writes 
on a 125-acre tract in northern Kentucky near his parents' birthplaces. The boy who witnessed the perils of crop farming has stayed in the family business and has learned the equal truth that sometimes the crops don't fail and sometimes things don't go from bad to worse. Catholic theologian Richard Rohr says that we live in the now and the not yet. Both what is and what will be have a claim on us. Perhaps it's enough to be present to whatever sadness and despair have their grip on us today and be fully aware of the truth that all things do change. And it shall not be ever thus that the sun sometimes will melt a field frozen of sorrow. Just one year ago, I preached from this pulpit in sadness and anger about the shootings at the Unitarian Universalist Church in Knoxville, in which two people were killed, a sanctuary was defiled by gun violence, and children were witnesses to murder and horror. If ever there was a field hard frozen with sorrow and despair, those UUs in Tennessee had the deed to it. But this day, today, they have refused to be defined by the actions of a madman. They have renamed their fellowship hall and their library in memory of the two who were killed that day. They continue to do the difficult work of healing and rebuilding and being present, adults and children together, and receiving the blessings of the multitudes of Unitarian Universalists from around the country who have sent words of encouragement and financial assistance and thousands of paper cranes. They have been inspired by the interfaith groups around them who have also lent their support, and their membership has grown this year as people are attracted to their healing message of love and hope and inclusion. Sometimes things don't go from bad to worse. Sometimes things can be hopeless, and we can, with help, make it better. I am enough, I am not enough. I am enough, I am not enough. I give help when I can, there is help for me. I am enough, I am not enough. We are enough, we are not enough. We are enough, we are not enough. We have strength in our bond, we have room to grow. We are enough, we are not enough. The words are printed in your order of service. Will you sing it with me? I am enough, I am not enough. I am enough. 
because I lean into this notion of both and, I am called to take it deeper. Here's a little story from my white bear experience. One of my jobs over the year was to construct the order of service each week. As we have here, there was a template, and I made sure all the names and attributions were correct. I got it right into its little margins. I had it exactly so. If you were going to have an emotional experience to the service, it would happen right here. Shortly after I finished at White Bear, I was taking a course in black theology, and our class location was at the Kwanzaa Community Church in North Minneapolis. And as a part of our coursework, we were invited to attend services at Kwanzaa. And so Fia and I dutifully made our way there on a Sunday morning for the two-hour service, and it was loud and joyful, and prayerful, and emotion-filled, spirit-filled. It was an experience. It was experiential from start to finish. If there was an order of service, I never saw it. (laughs) Here were people who were worshiping next door to a crack house who were very clear about what salvation means. Asking, what is God, what is Jesus doing for you today? At Kwanzaa, God and Jesus are not theological concepts to be finely sliced and argued about. They are real presences who are at work saving people from real despair. Here are people who who are enlivened by a lived religion, who are lit up, They say if you haven't had a hug all week, you should go to Kwanzaa. You will get more hugs than you know what to do with. I have never been made to feel so welcome anywhere in my life. Yeah. Well, I left thinking, what's what's this about? Jesus is messing with my call. (laughs) Y'all know where I come from. So I returned to both and, and this is where I'm leaning in today. This is my work. I'm clear this is my work, and I invite you into it because I have a sense if it's mine, it must be some of ours as well. Can I find room in this room, in this denomination, to find a deeper theism a more meaningful relationship with the Jesus who is the master of transformation, with a God who is present with us as the world is burning, and hold dear to my profound belief in science and the empirical world. For me, and I'm sure for others, it's not about supernaturalism. It's not about superstition. It's about mystery and yearning to use all the concepts that we can to make meaning out of this one wild and precious life. Is there room here for both the theist and the atheist? How do I make room in my own heart and mind for the competing truth claims of science and God? 
I am enough. I am not enough. President Obama's nominee to head the National Institutes of Health is Dr. Francis Collins. He's a hymn-singing evangelical who also believes in Darwinism and who was the head of the National Genome Project. He explains that there are two categories of knowing, two ways of knowing. One is scientific knowledge, the kind that is achieved through testing and weighing and proving. And within its competence, science is supreme. And there's another way of knowing, a realm of morality and metaphysics that involves not physical proof but meaning-making that seeks to answer why things are as they are and how we should live. Here seems a model that I can safely, that I can use to safely take God out of the bubble wrap and explore what this ultimate mystery might mean for me. Here's what I want to know. If you're an atheist or a humanist, and I agree to have your back to take into account and defend your faithful presence here, and I do. Will you agree to have mine? Will you agree with me, and this is my work, to stop bashing Christians and God-believers and appreciate that there might be something there for us to respect. Many of us came here wounded. Let us heal here and stop being wounded. If we're made for interfaith work, we'd better respect the traditions that sit down with us at the table. For anyone who is interested, I invite you to join me on the list serve of the UU Christian Fellowship, which is not necessarily a contradiction in terms. <laughs> it's at uuchristians.org. I want to see if there is wisdom there for us. Where I come from, in the summertime, everybody drinks iced tea. And at any gathering or at any restaurant, you see two pictures, sweet and un. <laughs> Myself, I like a little sweet with my un. <laughs> the sweet alone is too syrupy. The unsweet alone is lacking that flavor that reminds me of my grandmother's. I like my tea and my theology with both and. And now at this midpoint, this day that's the midpoint between the summer solstice and the coming equinox, I want to close with a rather lengthy pastoral prayer that was written by the Reverend Jeff Sarton at Plymouth Congregational Church here in Minneapolis, where they also are a center of progressive religion. This is just the sweetening that speaks to me. Let yourselves please assume an attitude of prayer or meditation and let it take you where it will. All good summer gifts come from you, O oh God.
sunshine, rain, breezes, stillness, quiet, laughter, solitude, friends, family, work, and rest. Make us more like the world in summer, O God, like the days seem to bow before us, offering themselves to us for our enjoyment, so we offer ourselves to you. Like a lakeshore invites swimmers and boaters to splash in her waters, so we offer ourselves that we might bring such joy. Like the ground blossoms with foliage and flower, with fruit and berry, so allow us to put forth the best we have to offer and give of ourselves to your world. Make us more like the world in summer, O God, warmer, lighter of spirit, deeper in color, more full of blessings for others, inviting, alluring, and tempting even. Make us abundant with opportunity, juicy with sweetness and heavy with goodness. Let our hearts be dripping with the morning dew of gratitude. Let our spirits gurgle with delight like a brook or stream. Let our minds be calm like the evening glassy waters on Calhoun, Nokomis, Harriet. Make us more like the world in summer, O God. Let our good fruits be freely available, like the neighbor's raspberries hanging over the back fence on an evening walk. Let our talents, our love, and good works be abundant, given away only to be replaced with more. Let our generosity be easily accessed by the zucchinis that seem to enjoy offering more than anyone can use. Let our talents grow large, round, ripe, and ready to be consumed like a perfect tomato. Make us more like the world in summer, O God, steamy and still sometimes, causing those around us to slow down, to be wrapped in the heavy, velvet air of our presence and invited simply to rest, to be. Make us more like the world in summer, unpredictable and spontaneous, like a shower that comes out of the blue. Keep our creativity alive. Ponderous and ominous, like a thunderstorm moving across the sky. Let us reflect your power and grandeur, Brilliant and dangerous like lightning make us passionate for peace, dazzling in our energy for equity, and dangerous in the risks we take to confront powers of injustice. Make us more like the world in summer, O God. Let nature teach us. Let the earth be our guide. Let us grow Blossom, bear good fruit, and live so that you and all those around us might be made content, rested, happy, and at ease. Make us more like the world in summer. Amen.